For those who thought media bias against Donald Trump would stop after his election to the presidency, Trump's interview with 60 Minutes conclusively demonstrated just how wrong that idea was. CBS News' Leslie Stahl desperately attempted to blame Trump for violence breaking out across the country against Trump. Here was what Leslie Stahl had to say. She said, quote, It has been five full days since the election, and anti-Trump demonstrations, driven in part by Hillary Clinton's edge in the popular vote, have been significant. When we interviewed him on Friday afternoon, Mr. Trump said he had not heard about some of the acts of violence that are propping up in his name or against his supporters. Nor, ha- nor he said, had he heard about reports of racial slurs and personal threats against African Americans, Latinos, and gays by some of his supporters. Now, Trump, you see, is ignorant, and it's all his fault. Meanwhile, we in the real world are all watching mass protests and rioting on our TV against Trump. Yet Stahl worked to make Trump the problem, not the solution. Here's how their exchange went. Trump said, I am very surprised to hear that. I hate to hear that. I mean, I hate to hear that. And Leslie Stahl said, but do you, you do hear it. And Trump said, I don't hear it. I saw, I saw one or two instances. Leslie Stahl, on social media, Trump. But I think it's a very, very small amount. Again, I think it's Leslie Stahl. Do you want to say anything to those people? Trump. I wouldn't say don't do it. I would say don't do it. That's terrible because I'm going to bring this country together. Leslie Stahl. They're harassing Latinos and Muslims. Trump. I'm so saddened to hear that. And I say stop it. If it helps, I will say this. And I will say right to the cameras. Stop it. Okay, so we don't have Stahl's original question to Trump. But from the content of the exchange, it seems like she focused almost exclusively on supposed violence by Trump supporters, most of which appears to be unfounded. This is asinine, and it's also disingenuous. Stahl seems quite concerned about violence surrounding Trump's election. But CBS News held the tape of Trump condemning violence and telling people to cut it out for three days. If they truly cared about tamping down violence, why not release that tape right away? They released a bunch of other clips from the interview. Well, that's because the media don't care about the violence. They just care about blaming Trump for the violence. It's why the media never put pressure on Obama to condemn riots in cities across the United States, even as Obama and his Department of Justice justified them. It's why the media never cared about asking Hillary Clinton about violence against Trump supporters during this campaign. Violence only matters if it can be blamed on those the left-wing media hates. Otherwise, it's a tool for change. Just ask media darling DeRay McKesson, who was feted at the White House, or the members of Occupy Wall Street. But if any Republican goes to a Tea Party rally, they're obviously the problem. Don't expect the media to change. But if they don't want to destroy their own credibility permanently, they better start treating more honestly with the American people. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Okay, so much to get to. Everybody's getting ready to launch the new Trump White House, and we'll get to the staffing decisions at the Trump White House in all of their glory and shame in just a moment. But first, we have to say hello to our friends over at Ring.com. So if you're concerned about home burglary or the possibility thereof, the thing you should know is that what burglars often do is ring the doorbell, determine you're not home, and then break into your house. Ring.com prevents this. They ring the doorbell, and it immediately rings to your cell phone so you can act like you're home. You can also see who's there with the camera. And right now, they have advanced motion detection technology to protect the entire property with the Ring of Security Kit. Right now, if you go to ring.com slash Ben, you get $150 off the Ring of Security Kit. Ring is one of the advertisers that we use where I've actually spent my own money on their product because I think their product is so stellar. It's ring.com slash Ben. Again, $150 off your Ring of Security Kit and stops burglaries and, and allows you to know who's at your front door, which is always something that is worthwhile, particularly for me, since I have heard that Steve Bannon is coming. In any case... We can jump right into, uh, let's jump right into the news. Okay, so 
at the beginning, let's just say it is fun to watch the left meltdown. It is really a lot of fun to watch the left lose their minds. And what makes it fun for me is the knowledge that the left would lose their minds the exact same way if Ted Cruz had won or Marco Rubio had won or, hell, if John Kasich had won, they would still lose their minds and go crazy. So there's a lot of talk about Trump being out of the box. I agree. There's a lot of talk about Trump being uniquely bad in some ways. I agree. But that's not why the left is protesting. The left is protesting because they don't like the idea that conservatives— even showed up to vote. They don't like the idea that somebody who's not a Democrat, at least in name, actually is the president of the United States. And so they're going nuts. So here is a little bit of footage from some of these protests. Take over the this was the scene in downtown Los Angeles for the third straight night. Angry Angelinos taking over the streets in protest of President-elect Donald Trump's victory in Tuesday's election. We reject the president-elect. More than 180 people were arrested in what became a dangerous situation for some officers. We did have an officer who was injured when trying to take someone into custody. That officer was transported to a local hospital, and at this time he's in stable condition, and he's expected to be released later today. LAPD saying those they arrested had interfered with traffic and vandalized public property, including buildings and patrol vehicles, the group growing to several hundred in size. We want our voices to be heard, and we will not stand down. There were even some reports of people throwing hear? rocks and bottles at officers <laughs> and demonstrators who, according to police, just wouldn't go home. Oh, my the God. Disperse- go- okay, so we can stop it there. So these idiots take over the streets in L.A., to which Trump says, I drink your salty, bitter tears. They're delicious. Like, Donald Trump is going to resign the presidency because a couple of whiny college students from L.A. decided to take over a street in a city that Trump lost every vote in. Like, all these riots, all these protests are taking place in areas where Trump lost, right? It's not like there's any impact on Trump. It's not like there's any impact on on the administration. I'm not even sure what they're protesting at this point. Like, there's lots of stuff that Trump is going to do that's probably worthy of protest, but he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't done it yet. Like, maybe later tonight I'll lead a protest against Steve Bannon becoming the White House chief counsel or whatever he is, but, like, he hasn't done anything yet. This is all this is all silly talk. So the, all, these, all these whiny crybabies who are very, very upset, and they're walking around all mopey, and, oh, my God, the world is over because someone they don't like was elected president— he hasn't done anything yet. He's not even the president yet. He's just some guy who's who's getting ready to be president. Once he's president, then I think that it is fair if you disapprove a policy that he's pushing, you go out and you can you can protest. Although never riot, don't take over streets because this makes you a douche. But if you're going to do this on the basis of I lost an election, well, maybe more of you young people should have shown up and actually voted in that election, and then maybe you wouldn't have lost. I mean, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, but she lost in a lot of these swing states because young people stayed home smoking weed. So. Young people didn't show up for her. Minorities didn't show up for her. Who are the people who are actually rioting and protesting? Largely young people and minorities. So the whole thing is is just ridiculous. Naturally, Cory Booker, who thinks he's going to run for president in 2020 against Trump, he's trying to to make inroads with these protesters, hoping to jazz them up, get some enthusiasm going. I'm sitting here right now having this conversation with you because of the tradition of American protest. Um, I have my rights, not because of Washington suddenly deciding, Strom Thurmond and others, hey, let's give uh, certain Americans equal rights, but because of the ardent, unyielding voice of protesters. And so when you have a president uh, that is in his campaign who ran saying things that not aren't just contrary to a fact, uh, but literally threatening to use presidential power in a way that would erode the rights and privileges and equality mm-hmm. of large sections of Americans. Uh, uh, God bless the protesters. But I will tell you this, uh, I caution anyone who in their protest becomes the very thing that they're protesting against.
and turning to hateful speech. And then he says, they, they keep saying, love, love Trump's hate. And then they go and burn crap. And he's saying that's probably a bad idea. Yeah, probably. Okay, so here, okay, so before we go any further, I think that it's important to get uh, get past the elephant in the room because I know there are a lot of people watching specifically because of the news that Steve Bannon, the former Breitbart CEO, is now going to be the, the Trump White House chief, he's not the chief of staff, he's the chief strategist is what they're calling him, which means that he's basically Valerie Jarrett or Karl Rove. It means he has a very heavy uh, portion in the in the policymaking and the direction of the of the administration. So... I've written columns about what I think of Steve. I legitimately think that Steve Bannon is one of the worst people in America. But that doesn't mean that this is the worst thing that's ever happened to the country, that he's the, that he's the White House uh, chief strategist. I'll explain what's, what's good about this and what's bad about this and what he's actually going to do. And a lot of it is still up in the air. Now, I will say the left are going too far in this. So they're immediately saying that he is, that he is anti-Semitic. They're saying that Steve is a white supremacist. Uh, you have all these people who are who are saying that that Steve is a white nationalist. Okay, so there's Steve's personal views, and then there's who Steve associates with, Steve's and who he's willing to, to humor. I have no evidence on a personal level, and I work with Steve for years. I have no evidence on a personal level that Steve's a racist or an anti-Semite. Okay, I've never heard those views come from him. Uh, I've never felt anti-Semitism from Steve. Okay, and that said. So the left is going too far when they say like there's a big headline at Huffington Post: White nationalist runs White House. Okay, that's that's too much. It's not it's not true. Um, that said, there are some problems here. There are some problems here, and here are the problems. So I have a few thoughts on on Bannon as the White House chief strategist. Beyond the fact that I think that Bannon is a brutal, vindictive piece of crap. Um, be, beyond that, uh, I think that when it comes to Bannon. The, the number one question I've gotten texts and questions all day, is he anti-Semitic and racist? As I said, I have no personal knowledge of him personally being anti-Semitic and racist. That said, he obviously has pandered to the anti-Semitic racist alt-right. The alt-right is a group of people. The alt-right is a group of people. First of all, let me just say something about the alt-right. Not everyone who says they're alt-right is actually alt-right. There are a lot of people who don't know what it means. They don't know the founding philosophy and ideology of the alt-right. They just think alt-right means that you like to put up peppy memes or you like to tweet about Harambe or whatever other stupid thing you're doing online, and you don't like Paul Ryan, and therefore you're alt-right. That's not what alt-right means. Alt-right is a philosophy that is that is exposited by people ranging from Vox Day to Richard Spencer, uh, and that philosophy is that Western culture is inseparable from European ethnicity. Okay, it is white nationalism. Alt-right is white nationalism. That's what the that's what the the root of the philosophy is. That doesn't mean that everybody identifying as alt-right believes that because some of them are doing it wrong, but it does mean that that is the root of the philosophy. And Bannon knows that. He's not a stupid man. And he has pandered to those people. He had Milo Yiannopoulos, who's an alt-right popularizer, write a long piece for Breitbart about how the alt-right was the kind of new, legit, new right in the United States. And the actual white supremacists do love Bannon. And they think that Bannon, I mean, Bannon bragged openly about turning Breitbart into an alt-right fan site, essentially. Uh, Richard Spencer, who's an actual white supremacist, he said Breitbart has elective affinities with the alt-right, and the alt-right has clearly influenced Breitbart. In this way, Breitbart has acted as a gateway to alt-right ideas and writers. I don't think it has done this deliberately. Again, it's a matter of elective infinities. Affinities, And I think that's exactly right. Um, I think that Spencer is correct. Peter Brimelow, another one, he, he said that Bannon being appointed to the Trump campaign was great news. Okay, so what does that mean? What does that mean that Bannon has elective affinities with the alt-right and that he's warm toward a bunch of white supremacists and anti-Semites? And, and he is warm toward the philosophy of the intellectualized alt-right. What does that mean? Well, it depends on what you think Bannon's actually going to be doing at the White House. 
So what does he want? Well, Bannon always wants power. Well, now he finally has. He spent a decade accruing power. He kept kind of leaping from politician to politician, riding their coattails. He did it to Michelle Bachman. He made a documentary about her. Uh, and then he hoped to kind of glom onto her success. He did the same thing with Sarah Palin. He did the same thing with Andrew Breitbart before he died, then took over his business. And now he's done the same thing with Trump. And he just picked two winners in a row, Breitbart and Trump. And so he ends up in one of the most powerful positions in American government. So what will he do? Well, first of all, he will actually target enemies. Bannon is a deeply, deeply vindictive guy. He's somebody who likes to destroy enemies. It's something he takes pleasure in. Uh, he likes to think of himself that way, so it wouldn't be a surprise for me to say this, even to him. Um, and, uh, and so when I jokingly said earlier this year that if Trump wins, I expect my IRS audit, that was not really a joke. I mean, I think that if, with Bannon in the White House, I think a lot of people who did not support Trump sufficiently and didn't support Bannon and think Bannon's a bad guy, those people will, uh, will be targeted by Bannon, or at least there's a good shot they will be. But more importantly, beyond sort of personal vendettas, Bannon's actual agenda is he does not like the Republican Party, which is okay, except that he doesn't like them for the wrong reasons. Bannon is a, is a European far-right populist. That's what Bannon is. He's somebody who believes first and foremost in the idea that we have to have tariffs and we have to assure the continuation of Western civilization by limiting immigration, not just immigration on the basis of philosophy, just immigration generally has to be limited. Um, he doesn't believe in small government per se. That's not an important thing to him. Uh, he's, he's sort of in line with Marine Le Pen, the, the French National Party leader. She calls for harsher penalties for criminals and significant restrictions on Muslim immigration and protectionism on trade and a restoration of the franc as the national currency rather than the euro and big government in terms of health care. That's pretty much Trump's platform, and Bannon is all in favor of that. The European right is not the American right. The American right traditionally, the conservative American right, traditionally has said constitutional principles like individual liberty and personal responsibility and limited government. These are the core of Americanism. And if you can accept those principles, you can come from anywhere and be part of America. That's not what the, 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 the nationalist right believes. The nationalist right believes close the borders now. We have to stand up for our culture against all other cultures, and people can't really integrate into the culture. In there, there can't be any integration. There can't be any openness. Uh, we really have to close ourselves off. It's, it's very close to sort of Pat Buchanan's idea of the universe. And it's no shock that the Daily Beast reported that Bannon has already reached out to Marine Le Pen uh, in France, as well as Nigel Farage of the UK Independent Party. So the question is, what will Bannon actually do? So at the same time they announced that Bannon was going to be uh, the new White House chief strategist. They announced that Reince Priebus was going to be um, that, that Reince Priebus was going to uh, be the the White House chief of staff. So there are a few ways to read that. There's the optimistic way to read that, and then there's the pessimistic way to read that. And I'll let you choose. And by the way, I'm trying to be as objective as I possibly can be, given the fact that I have personal distaste for a man that I believe is a destructive force inside the Republican Party uh, and and in the conservative movement generally, and who's out for his own self-aggrandizement. Here's, here's the breakdown. If you're optimistic, Bannon leads the war on the media, right? He just fights the left media on behalf of Donald Trump because that's sort of what he did at Breitbart. And Reince handles all of the internal party squabbles and just helps Trump work with Ryan because Reince is very, very close with Speaker of the House Paul Ryan. That's the most optimistic version. That's sort of what Ed Morrissey thinks is happening here. I don't think that's what's happening here. There are other people who say that Bannon was just added as a sop to the populist base. Really, Reince Priebus is going to be doing the heavy lifting. I don't think that's right either. And the reason I don't think that's right either is because it seems to me that Reince is the weak, is the weak leg of this stool. Bannon is an alpha. Reince is a beta. Reince is the bagman, and Bannon is whispering in Trump's ear. This morning, Reince came out, and he was praising Trump, uh, praising Bannon, and, uh, and here is what he had to say about Bannon. 
And a lot of people okay. are concerned because they look at the website he ran, Breitbart News. As one paper put it, it recently accused President Obama of, quote, importing more hating Muslims, called Bill Crystal a renegade Jew, advised female victims of online harassment to just log off and stop screwing up the Internet for men. I, I guess people are wondering, is this the worldview that Steve Bannon will bring to the White House? Can you let them uh, know anything about him that would be contrary to the website he ran? Sure. And, and, and that wasn't his writing. I mean, that was, uh, that was some articles in Breitbart. It wasn't him. Okay, but, but he's the, he him, was the head of it. The buck stops the with guy him, right? I know. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the guy I know is a guy that isn't any of those things. I mean, the guy I know is a guy sitting in an office all day yesterday uh, talking about uh, hiring, talking about people. And in the last few months, is a guy to exhibit none of those qualities. Here's a guy who's Harvard Business School. He was a 10-year naval officer, uh, London School of Economics, I believe. Um, he, has, he is a guy who is pretty, he's very, very smart, um, very temperate, and together we've been able to manage. Uh, there. This, is a, this is, as to put it bluntly, this is a load of horse bleep. Okay, this is what what he's saying right now is not true. Okay, Bannon went at Breitbart. All the buck absolutely stopped with Bannon. No major piece went up on the website with without Bannon's go ahead, um, and uh, and that's been true for a long time. And people have been saying that for a long time. It's true. Okay, so the idea that Bannon had nothing to do with, you know, the the transition toward Trumpsterism and the alt right is absolutely untrue. When he says that Bannon is temperate. That's just insane, okay? Like, I don't know a single person who knows Bannon who would describe Bannon as temperate. Bannon can be temperate. He can be charming with people who he thinks he's he's conning, basically. And Ryan, since he spent this entire election cycle massaging Trump's buttocks and the people of those around him, it's not a surprise that, that Bannon was temperate with him. Why wouldn't he be? But uh, but Ryan's has to know he's lying. I mean, I can't imagine that Ryan's has gone this entire election cycle without Bannon screaming at him at least once. That's, that's not... Temperate is not the word. It's just it's just absurd all the way through. And this is the problem, right? So the left is is wrong about Bannon, but the idea that Bannon's not going to have any any say in this White House is really not true. And when it comes to how that breaks down, the problem is, of course, that if Bannon wants to go to war with Ryan, like literally an hour after they announced that Bannon would be working with Ryan's at the at the White House. Breitbart ran a story about how Ryan should be ousted as Speaker of the House. So if you think that the Bannon is just going to sit by while all the policy gets done. Yeah, that's that's not happening. And Kellyanne Conway, who really has turned out to be, um, I, I thought this during the campaign, but she is she's a very very skilled liar. Uh, she she talked up Bannon as well on Meet the Press. It's a very small core senior team, probably less than ten people all all told, and mm -hmm. and I'm sure that everyone will be uh, very important to the president moving forward. I, I will say this though, I think uh, having worked with him and known him, Steve Bannon in this particular campaign was the general, and he is much more the Goldman Sachs managing partner and much more the naval officer, I think, than people, real, than people realize. That's a big so part he, of his So what background. you're saying is he's not, he wouldn't come in to say, let's burn Washington down, proverbially? I think that the president-elect is there to actually implement his first 100-day plan, and those around him know that and will appreciate that, whether it's within his inner circle on Capitol Hill. Uh, I, you know, we are very grateful in Trump world to both um, Bannon and Priebus 
and I think you'll see them work, continue to work together. We all okay. work very closely. It was a very all small. Right. Okay, so look, people are not going to be in the mood to hear bad stuff about Trump right now, which is why I'm trying to be honest about what I think this means. I'll wait to see how it shakes out, but the idea that's being promulgated that Steve is some sort of temperate moder moderating force in the, in the White House, that just is not true. It's just not true. And if you want lies, then I, I suggest that you listen to some other show uh, or watch some other show, but I'm not going to lie to you just because Trump won. So I'll I'll, we're going to do some serious good Trump, bad Trump in a minute because Trump, it's not all bad. I think the Reins pick uh, is a good pick. I, I think that, that this pick is a bad pick, but we'll, we'll get to all that in just a second. But to do the, see the rest, you have to go over to dailywire.com uh, and subscribe. $8 a month, you get subscription to Daily Wire. That means you can watch the rest of this show live. It means that you can also, if you subscribe right now, you get, I think, the, the first three months of the entire website without ads, which is pretty cool. And if you're an annual subscriber, then you can still get my new novel, True Allegiance, signed by me, uh, which is pretty neat. Also, you get Clavin's podcast. You get to be part of the mailbag. So lots of goodies. If you go to dailywire.com right now, become part of the largest podcast, largest conservative podcast in the United States. So, look, the, the Trump campaign has an interest in, in suggesting over and over and over that, that everything is on solid ground. And maybe it will be. Maybe it will be. But I'm not getting that indicator all the way across. And I, this, is, this is a point that I'd like to make just generally, which is that Trump is a Rorschach test, okay? He says a lot of things about a lot of different issues. He takes the same issue, and he'll take 12 different sides of it. He'll appoint good people. He'll appoint bad people. Right now, because he—I'm actually eager for him to be president because I want to see what the policy looks like as opposed to everybody trying to read tea leaves— People who are inherently negative about everything Trump does, you can call Trump opponents. People who are inherently positive about everything Trump does, you can call Trump sycophants. This is a Rorschach test to determine who's a truth teller and who's not. So I've been trying to, to tell the truth about, about what's happening here. I think Bannon is a bad pick. I think there are fringe elements that impact how Trump thinks. Alex Jones, who's an absolute nut job over at InfoWars, uh, you know, the, the captain, I'm going to take off my shirt and be a nut job. Yeah, Alex, the, the frogs are, the water's turning the frogs gay, that guy. He actually came out and he said after Trump won, Trump called him personally to thank him. Ladies and gentlemen, I was traveling here to the highest point in Austin, Texas on beautiful Mount Bonnell to relay to you the fact that we have major choices to make as Americans of every race, color, and creed to decide whether we want to go back to what made this country great, low taxes, low regulations, private property, support of the family, support of sovereignty, or whether we want the siren song of globalism that's nothing but modern corporate slavery worldwide. And on my way here, Donald Trump gave me a call, and I told him, Mr. President-elect, you're too busy. We don't need to talk. But we still spent over five minutes. He said, listen, Alex, I just talked to the kings and queens of the world, world leaders, you name it. But he said, it doesn't matter. I wanted to talk to you to thank your audience, and I'll be on the next few weeks to thank them. I said, is this a private call? He said, no. I want to thank your viewers, thank your listeners for standing up for this republic. We know what you did early on throughout this campaign. Stand up for what's right. It shows. He's Jones not the is a nut job conspiracy theorist who just three weeks ago was complaining about the Jews controlling the media. Okay, so if if I if I if I'm concerned about some of this stuff, it's because I'm concerned about some of this stuff. Okay, now all of that said, all of that said, Trump is uh, is starting to you know go on media and, and he's, he did a 60 Minutes interview where he spelled out some of his policy and uh, and it is a typical case of good Trump bad Trump. And again, how you view this, I'm going to tell the truth about what he said. I'm not going to lie about what he said. Some of it's good, some of it's bad. If you just want to hear cheerleading for Donald Trump, Sean Hannity's show is available. You can you can listen to it anytime you want. You, Laura Ingram's show is available. You can listen to that anytime you want. Uh, if you want people who just bash Trump, then there are plenty of people who do that too. Uh, my goal here is to give you enough information that you can make a call about what exactly is happening in the country, and you can determine whether you think Trump is doing good things or bad things. So we can play the good Trump, bad Trump theme, although, honestly, this should just be the theme song for the next four years. Good 
So over the weekend, there was a lot of both good Trump and bad Trump. So here is Donald Trump on 60 Minutes. Uh, so Donald Trump starts by talking about the wall. Are you really going to build a wall? Yes. They're talking about a fence in the Republican Congress. Would you accept a fence? Uh, for certain areas, I would. But certain areas, the wall is more appropriate. I'm very good at this. It's called construction. But so part wall, fence part be, fence? Yeah, it could be, there could be some fencing. Okay, so he says there'll be some fencing. It's not totally a wall. Again, I don't think that's a big deal. I think that's basically him keeping his promise. I'm not going to rip him on that. Some people have said he's backing off the wall. Uh, who cares whether it's a wall or fencing? He basically said he'd erect a border on the bar uh, on the uh, a barrier on the border. That's what people want. Nobody's going to hold him accountable for that. So that's good, Trump. Okay, here's Donald Trump on illegal immigration. What about the pledge to deport millions and millions of undocumented immigrants? What we are going to do is get the people that are criminal and have criminal records, gang members, drug dealers. We have a lot of these people, probably two million, it could even be three million. We're getting them out of our country or we're going to incarcerate. But we're getting them out of our country, they're here illegally. After the border is secured and after everything gets normalized, we're going to make a determination on the people that you're talking about, who are terrific people. They're terrific people. But we're going to make a determination at that. But before we make that determination, lastly, it's very important. We want to secure our border. Okay, so this is uh, this is Trump backing off of his position, or at least one of them. He had more positions on immigration during this campaign than the Kama Sutra. Uh, so this is just another one of them, right? So his new position is exactly the position Republicans have been taking, every mainstream Republican has been taking for years, secure the border, then figure out what to do with the people here. But I recall during the campaign when that position was considered amnesty. I recall during the campaign when that position was considered heresy. Donald Trump was going to deport everybody, and then he was going to bring some back in. Everybody, we, we either have a border or we don't have a border. We either have laws or we don't have laws. You remember it. You were there. Okay, so yes, is this Trump straying from his, from his positions? Yes, it is. Is it him straying in, in a better direction? Yeah, it is. So I'll give him credit for actually moving toward a position that's more workable. But the idea that he was ever a hardcore anti-immigration guy... I mean, come on. I mean, even even first of all, I don't know where he's getting the statistic two to three million uh, illegal immigrants who have committed other crimes. I don't know if that's real or not. But uh, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when like five minutes ago he was talking about a deportation force that was going to round people up. You remember, too. You were there. But again, this is in, in Trump's America. The future is known. It's the past that's constantly changing. So we have to pretend that that never happened. OK, here is Donald Trump on lowering taxes. And this is good. Oh, we don't, we don't have, okay, we don't have, he said he's going to lower taxes. Fine, that's good. He also came out, and here's what he had to say about, about Hillary Clinton, a woman he was having people chant lock her up five seconds ago. So Hillary called, and it was a lovely call, and it was a tough call for her. I mean, I can imagine. Tougher for her than it would have been for me, and for me it would have been very, very difficult. Uh, she couldn't have been nicer. Uh, she just said, congratulations, Donald. Well done. And I said, I want to thank you very much. You were a great competitor. She's very strong and very smart. What about Bill Clinton? Did you talk he to did. him? He did. He called the next day. Really? What did he say? Actually called last night. What did and he say? He, uh, he couldn't have been more gracious. He said it was an amazing run, uh, one of the most amazing he's ever seen. He uh, said that. He was very, very, um, really very nice. You know, you said that you might call uh, President Obama for advice. Would you think of calling President Clinton for advice? 
Well, he's a very talented guy, both of them. I mean, this is a very talented family. Uh, certainly, I would certainly think about that. Okay, so he's... So again, I'm old enough to remember when five minutes ago he was shouting "lock her up." Now Hillary's a wonderful, wonderful woman, uh, and uh, and you know, file this one under both good Trump and bad Trump. It's good that Trump isn't talking about prosecuting her. It's bad that he was lying to people that he was going to prosecute her. But again, I guess that's politics. I'm not going to rip him too much on that. Now here's one place where I certainly will rip him. Here's Donald Trump talking about Obamacare. Remember, his promise was day one repeal and replace Obamacare. Here's what he has to say about Obamacare. Let me ask you about Obamacare. Uh, which you say you're going to repeal and replace. When you replace it, are you going to make sure that people with preconditions are still covered? Yes, because it happens to be one of the strongest assets. You're going to keep that. Also, with the children living with their parents for an extended period, we're going to. You're going to keep very that. much try and keep that. Adds cost, but it's very much something we're going to try and keep. And there's going to be a period, if you repeal it and before you replace it. When millions of people nope. could lose We're going to do it simultaneously. It'll be just fine. That's what I do. I do a good job. You know, I mean, I know how to do this stuff. We're going to repeal it and replace it. And we're not going to have, like, a two-day period, and we're not going to have a, a two-year period where there's nothing. It will be repealed and replaced, and we'll know. And it'll be great health care for much less money. Okay, so what are the two things that he wants to keep? He wants to keep the provision that allows, that, that forces insurance companies to cover people with pre-existing conditions, and he wants you to have to keep your kid on your insurance until they're 26. Those are the two conditions that he wants to keep. Okay, one of them, the first one, the second one is not that big a deal, although it's silly. The, the first one is really ridiculous, okay? The entire basis of an insurance company is that you cannot buy into an insurance program after you have a pre-existing condition. If I buy a fire insurance after my house burns down, it's not fire insurance, okay? There's not a fire insurance insurance company in the world that would do that. I can't buy life insurance two days after I commit suicide. That's ridiculous. Okay, when he says that we're going to keep that provision, what he means is that we're going to have to spend billions and billions and billions of taxpayer dollars covering people with pre-existing conditions to get health insurance. So you and I are still going to have to pay for it. He's just going to direct it in a different direction. It's just another subsidy. He's not calling it a subsidy, but it is a subsidy. Okay, so that is obviously, that's bad Trump and, uh, and not a big shock. Again, this is the same guy who said he would expand Medicare. The government was going to take care of everybody. So, again, the, the Rorschach test is what the Rorschach test is. If you lied during the, the entire election cycle and you said that Donald Trump was ardently opposed to government-involved health care, that wasn't true. Okay? It wasn't true. And it's still not true. So, that is what it is. Again, we're just going through his positions. Here is Donald Trump also on lobbyists. So you, you remember, well, actually, we don't have that one. But, but Trump said about lobbyists that he was, um, that, that he was not going to allow lobbyists in his administration. Yesterday, he came out and said he would let, allow lobbyists in his administration. Do I think that's the end of the world? No, but again, it shows that that promise doesn't mean anything. It's a silly promise. Of course, you're going to allow lobbyists in your administration. Obama did too. And then there is Trump on abortion. Here's good Trump. He's talking about abortion. During the campaign, you said that you would appoint justices who were against abortion rights. Will you appoint, are you looking to appoint a justice who wants to overturn Roe v. Wade? So look, here's what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to put, I'm pro-life. Uh, the judges will be pro-life. Um, they'll be But what about overturning much, well, there this there are a couple law. of things. They'll be pro-life. They'll be, uh, in terms of uh, the whole gun situation, we know the Second Amendment, and everybody's talking about the Second Amendment, and they're trying to dice it up and change it. Uh, they're going to be very pro-Second Amendment. But 
having to do with abortion, what it, if, if it ever were overturned, it would go back to the states. So yeah, it would go back to the some states. Some women states, won't be able to get an abortion. No, it'll go back to the states. By state? No, some... Yeah. Well, they'll perhaps have to, go to want... an, they'll have to go to another state. And that's I mean, okay. Well, we'll see what happens. It's got a long way to go, just so you understand. That has a long, long way to go. Okay, so, so there's Trump saying that they'd overrule Roe v. Wade, but then having a tough time saying that some women will have difficulty getting an abortion because you shouldn't be able to kill babies. Right? So it's, so, it's, so it's good that he's talking about overturning Roe v. Wade, but he obviously has no idea. Like, it, is that the, the hard pro-life position is where he says, we'll have to see what's going to happen? I wasn't aware that was the pro-life position. But we'll, we'll count that in the slightly good Trump. Now, here's the totally bad Trump. Here's Trump talking about gay marriage. One of the groups that's uh, expressing fear is the LBGTQ group. Um, you and yet have... I mentioned them at the Republican National Convention. And everybody said, that was so great. Um, I have been, you know, I've been a, a supporter. Well, I guess the issue for them is marriage equality. Oh. Do you support marriage equality? I, I, it's irrelevant because it was already settled. It's law. It was settled in the Supreme Court. I mean, it's done. So even if you appoint a judge that... It's done. It, you have, uh, these cases have gone to the Supreme Court. They've been settled. And uh, I think I'm, I'm fine with that. Okay, so he's going to somehow find a justice who's willing to overturn Roe v. Wade, but not a justice who's willing to overturn Obergefell. Okay, this is legally incompetent. What he's talking about here is silly. Every judge on his list opposes Obergefell on legal grounds. This is the, the same-sex marriage case. Again, so he says that Roe v. Wade should be overturned and abortion should go back to the states, but same-sex marriage is a fundamental right, and it's, it's decided law. Okay, again, this is nonsense. Well done, evangelicals, who, who thought that this was going to be a, a, a pro- traditional culture, pro-traditional values administration. It isn't. And that, that just is what it is, okay? So you either like it or you don't. Right now, because everybody is, is giving him the halo effect, everything will be fine. Um, but it is worthwhile noting because, again, we tell the truth here. Okay, and then finally, here is Donald Trump on tweeting. When you give me a bad story or when you give me an inaccurate story or when somebody other than you in another network or whatever, because, of course, CBS would never do a thing like that, right? I have a method of fighting back. That's very tough. But you're going to do that as president. I'm going to do very restrained if I use it at all. I'm going to do very restrained. I find it tremendous. It's a modern form of communication. There should be nothing you should be ashamed of. It's, it's where it's at. I, I do believe this. I really believe that um, the fact that I have such power in terms of numbers with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. I think it helped me win all of these races where they're spending much more money than I spent. And I won. I think that social media has more power than the money they spent. And I think maybe to a certain extent I proved that. Okay, well, that, I love when he says he didn't have restraint with Twitter. Given his past history, I'm going to go no on that one. Okay, so here's, this, is, this is, again, the entire problem with, with, with just Trumpism as a general matter, is he's all over the place, right? He's, he's anti-abortion, sort of, but he's pro-same-sex marriage. He's in favor of certain parts of Obamacare, but not other parts of Obamacare. Uh, he wants to deport criminal illegal aliens, but then he wants to legalize a bunch of other illegal aliens. And five minutes ago, he would have been calling Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz amnestyites for supporting that. That means that you get to see in Donald Trump anything you want to see. And that's the beauty of Donald Trump for so many people, is they just get to look at him and decide, oh, well, at least, that's why the, the final argument ended up being at least he's not Hillary, because 
you don't know what he thinks, right? Do you know what he thinks better after watching this interview? Or do you know what he thinks worse after watching this interview? I don't know. And, I, and I'm not going to count on his people making promises about what he's going to do. When you have Newt Gingrich out there saying Trump is a mainstream conservative, this is obviously not true. Right? I mean, here's, here's Gingrich saying this. Donald Trump is a mainstream conservative who wants to profoundly take on the left. The left is infuriated that anybody would challenge the legitimacy of their moral superiority. And so the left goes hysterical. Uh, but the fact is, you know, and you get this with all these smears of Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon is a naval officer. He was a managing partner at Goldman Sachs. He was, a, he was a Hollywood movie producer. You know, the idea that somehow he represents, I'd never heard of the alt-right until the nutcake started writing about it. But so your point is, it's garbage, therefore Donald Trump doesn't have to deal with Donald it. Donald Trump it has to be Donald Trump, and the country will organize itself around who he is. Oh, oh my God. Trump has to be Trump, and the country has to organize itself around who he is. Yeah, there's a fundamentally conservative principle there, Newt. There's a fundamentally conservative principle that we're, we're, we're all supposed to organize ourselves around what Donald Trump is. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't organize myself around any great leader, capital G, capital L. I don't do that routine. This is just pathetic. I'm sorry. That is pathetic. That really is. Okay, now the Democrats are no less pathetic, of course. The Democrats are still trying to figure out what they do, and the Democrats are just as, as executive power frenzied uh, and just as vicious, uh, much more so than actually than, than even Trump is. Bernie Sanders, it's really amusing to watch the infighting in the Democratic Party. They're starting to realize that they left behind a bunch of kind of blue-collar white folks in, in swing states, uh, and, uh, and the infighting has started. So here's a crazy old Bernie. Uh, looking like a nut job, uh, talking about how the Democrats really have to reach out to the white working class. By the way, he says he may run again in four years, by which point that'll be two years after his death. So that'll be interesting. Here's, here's Bernie Sanders. How does it happen that they win elections and Democrats lose? And I think what the conclusion is, is that Democrats have focused too much uh, with a liberal elite which is raising incredible sums of money from wealthy people in the upper middle class, but has ignored to a very significant degree the working class and the middle class and low income people in this country. Okay, and so he's arguing with people like Keith Ellison. So Keith Ellison says the only reason Trump won is because he was able to throw poison on Hillary Clinton. We didn't do anything wrong. The DNC is looking at making Representative Ellison the head of the Democratic National Committee. Ellison is the, I think, one of the only two Muslim excuse me, members of Congress, and, uh, and he is uh, he's very, very far to the left, uh, and he's going to continue to double down on sort of the Obama coalition. Do you think the Clinton brand itself was maybe too tainted with big donations, big money, NAFTA going back there? And second, do you think Democrats were perceived as looking down on rural America? I tell you whose brand was tainted is Donald Trump. I mean, this guy was tainted every kind of way you could imagine. I mean, no way in the world that Donald Trump is a champion of working people. He has uh, hurt workers in Las Vegas, Atlantic City, Florida, multiple bankruptcies, never showed his taxes. I don't know any good thing this guy has ever done. And yet because he was able to throw hate and poison on Hillary Clinton, he was able to somehow prevail, uh, uh, at least in terms of the Electoral College. He actually lost the popular right. vote. But, you know, um, I mean, at the, I think he was skilled at just sort of like keeping the attention on anyone but himself. I mean, but this guy is the most outrageous person ever to win a presidential so no election. Fault. You don't put and this so, fault on Clinton at all? I'm not going to get up here and cast fault on Democrats. I think that, w look, negative campaigning, people do it because sometimes it works. And in this particular case, him saying all this kind of stuff that he said, uh, you know, had an impact.
So they're just going to keep screaming racist. That's their new plan is that they're just going to keep screaming racist over and over and over and hope that that wins them the election. If they keep doing that, if they keep doing the protests without any policy underwriting, here's the thing that's ironic about the protests. Half the stuff the protesters are protesting, Trump isn't going to do. That's the irony of a lot of this. And the irony for a lot of people on the right is that a lot of the people on the right celebrating that Trump isn't Hillary are going to be kind of shocked when it turns out that on a few policies, at least, Trump sort of is closer to her than you think she is. But it doesn't really matter. In the end, the Democrats are going to continue running to the left. They're going to continue claiming Americans are racist, sexist, bigot, homophobes. And that means more Americans will continue to vote for Trump when he runs for re-election in four years because they're sick of being called that. Bill Maher basically said this, and this is exactly correct. If there's a silver lining in this for me personally, it's the two issues I have been on the case of liberals for, and they've been booing me about this for years, and maybe they'll listen. One is political correctness. I think I did a show about that for nine years. <laughs> you're, out, you're outrageous with your political correctness, and it does drive people away. And two, Islam. You know, Islam. They don't, Democrats, there's a terrorist attack, and Democrats' reaction is don't be mean to Muslims instead of how can we solve the problem of blowing up in America. And, you know, that's not a good way to get... The problem with American politics, let's get this straight, the problem with American politics is we don't cater enough to white men. No, I didn't say that. No, you did. Actually, you literally did. You literally did. No, no, you're right, I think. Like, you're 100% right about that, but do you want to be right or do you want to f***ing win? You know what? No, no. They Democrats, it's not just... You have to stop ignoring these people and understand you have to speak to Democrats have become, to to a lot of Americans, a boutique party of of fake outrage and social engineering. And they're not entirely wrong about that. And he's exactly right. Mara's exactly right. You can see the woman who he's talking to there, she can't handle that truth. And so the Democrats are going to continue doubling down on the idea that Americans are really terrible people. I really don't think this election, in the end, if you had to sum it up in one sentence, I don't think this election was about Trump. I don't really think it was about Hillary Clinton. I think it was about the feeling that Americans had that they were sick and tired of being told that they were racist, sexist, bigot, homophobes. Screw you. We're going to vote for the person who makes us feel better about ourselves and says we're not bad people. I think really that's what this election was about in a nutshell if you had to boil it down. Okay, time for some things I like and some things that I hate. So, things that I like. Over the weekend, uh, I saw this new film that just came out, Arrival. Um, and uh, it is, uh, we can show a little bit of the preview. This is the day they arrived. The object touched down 40 minutes ago. Mama, what's going to happen? I don't know. Dr. Banks, you're at the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations. You hear any words? Is that? Yes. Am I the only one having trouble saying aliens? So what do they look like? You'll see soon enough. They need to see me. Dr. Banks? Now that's a proper introduction. More objects have landed around the world. It's their language. Film didn't do particularly well at the box office. It's okay. I think it finished number two at the box office. It is not the fastest movie in the world. It's 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 a smart movie. It's a really smart movie. Um, but it, it doesn't move super fast. Same director who did Sicario. The ending, it's like you're, you're going along like, this is an intelligent movie. This is a smart movie. Okay, I'm with you. It's a little slow. I wish they'd hurried up a little bit. And then they get to the end, and they hit you with a, in, with a hammer in the face. I mean, the end, of the, the end of this film is about as devastating the end of a film as I've ever seen. It, it's a really, really devastating ending, the ending. Um, and so, uh, and not what you expect in any, in any way. So the film is a rival, uh, and it is definitely worth seeing, um, but particularly if you feel like being sad at the end. So, okay, uh, time, for some, time for some things that I hate. So here is, uh, here is uh, some stuff I hate. Let's do it. Remember when Saturday Night Live used to be a show that was supposed to be funny? 
that was it's been a long time since Saturday Night Live did anything funny. But Saturday Night Live did a cold open uh, on Saturday night, obviously, and they don't even attempt to do comedy anymore. So in 2008, the folks at Saturday Night Live, they said, we can't do jokes about Obama. He's inherently not funny. Okay, the funniest thing that has ever happened in the history of the world happened last week. America, the most powerful country in the history of the world, overthrew Hillary Clinton, who'd been destined for her entire life to be president of the United States, in favor of an orange-faced game show host. That is inherently hilarious. Like, forget what you think about their positions. Forget whether you think they're bad people or good people or whether they'll be good for the country. If you can't make a joke about this, then I don't know what world you're living in. It's inherently hilarious, okay? Trump is a hilarious man, and Hillary being disappointed is hilarious. So what does SNL open with? They open with literal mourning, literal mourning. So the, the songwriter, I can't, well, what's the name of the songwriter? I'm trying to remember. They, 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 he just died over the weekend. Um, he's, uh, there's this, the songwriter who wrote the song died over the weekend, and, and his name escapes me. Um, so they hijack his song. Leonard Cohen, thank you. And uh, Kate McKinnon, who's been playing Hillary Clinton and, and doing so hilariously, by the way, for, for months, she, does, she opens the show by playing Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen, and there is nothing funny happening, and it's just a wake for Hillary Clinton. Heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care for music, do you? Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift, the baffled king composing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, so... So SNL, they actually did this. They opened the show with Kate McKinnon playing a crappy version of Hallelujah, and everybody there sitting there like they're about to wheel out Hillary's body behind them. Like there's just going to be a coffin and Hillary Clinton's in it. And they're holding a wake. I mean, it's, it's not even an Irish wake with drinking or anything. I mean, they're, they're just holding a wake because this is how Hollywood feels. And then they, what do they think? They think if they, if they mourn a little bit more, if they whine a little bit more, if they complain a little bit more, then we've all are in our, in our collective DeLorean. We hit 88 miles per hour and go back two weeks ago. And then they all vote and Hillary becomes president. But no, they're going to sit there and they act like, oh, celebrities mourning. Americans will definitely resonate to that. In what magical world is that true? I mean, it's this kind of stuff. Why, yeah, you're right. The, the white guy in Wisconsin who voted for, for Trump this time instead of Hillary Clinton, he's watching Kate McKinnon play Hillary Clinton and lecture him about how he's responsible for absolute tragedy, and he's going to vote for your next person now? Really? I, I, again, this was a comedy show. If, if, there, if there's one purpose to a comedy show, I thought it was to make people laugh. But instead you go there, and it turns out that somebody died, and it was comedy, and they buried it in a shallow grave. Goodness gracious. Uh, that wasn't even, by the way, the, the, best, the best thing on SNL. The best thing on SNL was they had Chappelle on SNL. Chappelle hasn't been on SNL for years. I mean, this is actually a big moment for SNL. You have Dave Chappelle, one of the funniest people in America, after one of the funniest events in American history that shocked everybody, and you open with Kate McKinnon singing Hallelujah because, it got, uh, because with, with after, two days after the songwriter dies? Really? Okay. Here, By the way, here was Chappelle. I liked it. Chappelle was, was much better. Chappelle was actually pretty funny. Now, I'm not sure if this is true, but to my knowledge, the first black person that was officially invited to the White House was Frederick Douglass. They stopped him at the gates. Abraham Lincoln had to walk out himself and escort Frederick Douglass into the White House. And it didn't happen again, as far as I know, until Roosevelt was president. 
Roosevelt was president, he had a black guy over and got so much flack from the media that he literally said, I will never have a in this house again. I thought about that and I looked at that room and I saw all those black faces in Bradley and I saw, <laughs> and I saw how happy everybody was. These people who had been historically disenfranchised and it made me feel hopeful and it made me feel proud to be an American and it made me very happy about the prospects of our country. So, in that spirit, I'm wishing Donald Trump luck, and I'm gonna give him a chance, and we, the historically disenfranchised, demand that he give us one too. Thank you very much. Okay, is that fair? Right, if you're actually gonna have Chappelle open like that, have Chappelle open like that. That should have been the, the opener if you're gonna do something that's overtly political like that, because that's the truth, okay? Even the people, look, I didn't vote for Trump. I thought that both of these candidates didn't meet my standard for being president of the United States, but we're all, in, it's incumbent on us to at least give him a chance. That doesn't mean we don't critique him when he does things that are wrong. It doesn't mean that we don't play good Trump, bad Trump every day, but it does mean that, that it's silly to, to do this mourning as though America is dead because Donald Trump was elected. Honestly, if America died, it died two elections ago when we decided that we would elect a celebrity uh, over somebody who actually knew how to govern and then turned over the governance of the country to a guy who proceeded to push radical leftism and, and divisive racial partisan politics. Okay. Uh, final thing that final thing that I hate. Michael Moore uh, came out and he said that Democrats have a, he has a better electoral strategy for Democrats than Hillary Clinton in the future. Uh, look, that's the that's the the sideshow that has to happen in a week like this. But um, frankly, you know, Democrats would be better off if they ran Oprah uh, or Tom Hanks. Or why don't we run beloved people? Why? I mean, we have so many of them. The Republicans do this. They run Reagan and and the Terminator and and other people. Why don't we Why don't we run somebody that the American people love, that they are really drawn to? And they're smart and, and have good politics and all that. Why, why, why don't Democrats do that? I'm telling you, Jake, my sincere hope is that the DNC, um, that there is a clean sweep in this party. They, have to, they, they all have to go and they have to make room for the progressive Democrats who are going to come in here, are going to be needed to fight the things that Trump is going to do uh, to the people of this country and, and the world. Um, and we need young people and, and women and others who are going to really be the voice of this party. Not the same old, same old. P clearly people wanted change. I think everybody's admitted that. And clearly Bernie Sanders represented that. Okay, so there it is. And he says that, that Oprah, he says Oprah should run or Tom Hanks should run. That's the era of politics we've now entered. That was thanks not to Donald Trump, but to Barack Obama, who turned himself from a president into a celebrity. We're just going to get a lot of celebrities from here on out. Hope y'all enjoy it. Okay, in a bit of good Trump, by the way, breaking news. Apparently, Gingrich is out. This is, this is being reported, so we'll see if this is real. Gingrich is out as Secretary of State. They're saying Bolton, John Bolton, is close to being named Secretary of State. That would be an excellent pick. That is, that is really good news. That's, that's excellent Trump. That's not even good Trump. That's excellent Trump. So we will see how this whole thing plays out. But again, to try and put you know, a final answer on is Trump good or bad this early on uh, is a mistake. Let's just call him like we see him. And all I ask from my fellow conservatives is let's hold his feet to the fire when he's wrong and let's praise him when he's right. That's all. That's all we can do at this point. That's all we should do at this point. But we should not just follow a great leader just because he's a great leader because conservatives don't believe in great leaders. We just believe in a greater America. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show.
We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. PureTalk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let PureTalk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. <laughs> 